Welcome to the Who Shuffled Tabletop Podcast. Episode 15, Okicon. Welcome to Who Shuffled. I'm Tom Tanner. I'm Josh Vickers. Glad to have you back on the show, Josh. Um, it's great to be back. Thanks for having me. Well, we did Okicon this last weekend, and it was great. That is in Waycross. And I know we, we kind of previewed it last week, but just wanted to kind of go over all the stuff we did. Um, I think it was a great success. We had so many people there. The place was packed. Well, tell me what they had, Tom. They had VR stuff set up. They had play-to-win games. They had the cosplay tournaments, or whatever it's called, the competitions. I mean, they had some um, movies playing, too. I think they had a lot of... Um, Avengers. Oh, yeah. Marvel movies. <laughs> they have, yeah, they did have that. No, I'm talking about the... They were screening some um, anime stuff oh, okay. like the Waycross anime club or something had some stuff going on over there that was a big hit yeah i knew there were people yelling in the corner i didn't know what they were yelling about i don't know why they were yelling either but that uh, that was in that general vicinity so maybe that's what was going on. so we got there a little bit late i mean we got there around two or so but you said that the place was pretty packed earlier in the day were there a lot of people there oh gosh yes so at the very beginning it wasn't too bad it was probably about the same as when you saw it um so yeah, last year, or I didn't go last year, but the, the people who who um, run it, they told me that um, there was about 450 people last year, and wow. I thought that was a lot. And I was, I mean, I'm not saying I didn't believe them, but I was like, you know, kind of skeptical that, that there would be that many people this year. You know, it just seemed kind of crazy just to be a a small con in a you know small town like this, in rural South Georgia, but. Man, there were some people. So, yeah, I mean, it was, I'd be shocked if it wasn't, you know, five or 600 this year. I mean, it seemed like, man, like at the beginning, it was not so packed, but by around 10 30, 11, that's when it really um, started up. Man, and then they started giving out the food <laughs> when they served lunch. And I don't even know if they were selling it or what, but they had, you know, like a whole bake sale, like cake, cupcakes and cake pops and all kinds of stuff like that and then the pizza and drinks we couldn't even we couldn't even walk i mean it was just shoulder to shoulder for a good solid hour hour and a half there and um which i mean i was just going back into we had three tables set up the who shuffled crew did and um we were giving out all kinds of games and doing the pixel tactics tournaments and had play to win games and we had a great time it was a blast yeah it sounds like when we we got there there were still a lot of people there but uh, I mean, not nearly the amount that you're describing. When we when we walked in, yeah, all of the free. Uh, it, I mean, it looked like a lot of people had come and gone. All the free stuff was gone. All the food was gone. All of the, uh, they had comic books. You said those were all gone. Um, but I mean, there were still people there sitting down playing games, and all of the booths had people interacting with them. So there was still a lot of people there, and still a lot going on, even at you know two o'clock in the afternoon. But I'm sure in the morning when things kind of really crunk up, especially when all the cosplay people were there. Tell me about that. I missed that. Yeah. So, I mean, I saw they had the same guys that were there at, um, RetroCon, actual people that run retro reboot, the owner there, 
he brought his stuff and so he did he was the chewbacca you know the week before and this week and he has his darth vader cosplay that i don't know if he brought it but he can swap out of them pretty quickly so he could have done it i just didn't see him and they had the pikachu there but i got to see a batman that came up that was very convincing um so if you're listening to the podcast he i talked to him for a pretty good bit and he took a card so um i don't remember his name off the top of my head but he was real nice guy and very convincing Batman. There were tons sound, of stuff that I didn't even sound recognize. Like Batman. Oh yeah, I mean when he walked up, he you know he had he had the deep voice, and I was like you know I introduced myself to his wife, and I was like hi Bruce, you know, and they got a kick out of that, and then he um, told me his real name, but yeah, he had the voice and everything. He was, he had it going strong, but um, there was a lot of anime cosplay because the anime club you know that was doing the, the movies there they sure. um, they had like a cosplay contest separately i think i might be totally wrong about that but i'm just trying to go off what i remember reading before the thing started so i didn't i didn't actually go over to that area because i was too busy <laughs> with our booze i didn't get a, i didn't have a chance to sit down or do anything yeah but, well tell me about tell me about the who shuffle booth i mean i kind of came up as you guys were uh, midway through the con so tell me what happened at the beginning and how the setup went and yeah, so we had reserved two tables, but when we got there, we actually got access to a third table. Um, um, Kat, the lady that runs the place, she she definitely hooked us up there, and we had a prime spot, I thought, right near the uh, food table, <laughs> you know, the food counter, I mean, where they were giving all that stuff away, so got a lot of traffic. But, um, but yeah, we had a bunch of games set up. We were giving away um, miniatures and dice. Um, we had a little dice game set up. And me and you actually worked on the the dice game and failed miserably. Did the iteration you guys finally came up with work pretty well? Yeah, I mean it was just more of a game of chance. There wasn't really any decision making, but it, it was fast. We we pretty much had to have something fast. If we'd done anything anything more complicated, it would have slowed the boost down. Because a lot of times we had people standing kind of in line waiting to roll the dice and that kind of stuff. So I I know I know we lost a few people. Um, I don't know if they ever cycled back around, but definitely a few people were waiting in line and wound up like wandering off before we got to them and so i felt kind of bad about that but it was just so busy i mean we did all we could and trying to get people you know through and signed up and by signing up for that they get um entered in for all the the games the giveaways and then also they could just roll these dice and it was just a bunch of d20s and they rolled try to get two of a kind three of a kind that kind of stuff um crits or if they actually roll a 20 on one of the d20s it's a wild and that was a, such a big hit. <laughs> I mean, that was we had such a better response from that than we did. Like we were just drawing raffle tickets, you know, at RetroCon. And, um, man, people just love rolling those dice. You know, they'd come up there and go, oh, what's this? Go, what's going on? You know, and like I said, people just, you know, standing in line to do it. And we gave away a ton of minis. Um, yeah, what kind of minis were you guys giving away? They're pretty much all Hero Clicks. I'd say three-quarters of them or more were Hero Clicks. And... Most of them were DC comics. You know, had like Batman and um, had a couple of Batmans. Had some Robins and um, a lot of villains. You know, but the heroes went quicker. And then there was some a little bit of Star Wars minis. And anyway, but the Hero Clicks. You don't know if you're familiar with them, but they have a little base on them where you 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 know swivel or turn the base around and it clicks. That's where I think they get the name from it. But it changes their stats and things but it comes with a little card and so kids love that stuff you know and we were giving out dice too like sets of dice you know um full sets 
So what was the most popular thing that people wanted when they came up there? Miniatures. Miniatures, miniatures, miniatures. We would bring we will bring more next time if we you know if we do it next year. Because I mean, like I said, we had I gave away thirty five or forty sets of dice, maybe thirty miniatures. We gave away a ton of ton of games as well, but the miniatures went you know, they went so fast. I mean it was like three or four to one and like people that were winning the more expensive stuff they were like could have gotten a little small box game or some dice or both they would like say well they're like well can i just take two miniatures or two of these little guys you know and we're like sure you know because i'm like <laughs> you know i've got like twenty dollars in what you just rolled you know I'm about to give you twenty dollars worth of stuff and they're like no i'll just take this you know two dollar miniature instead i'm like okay you know <laughs> sounds good to me but um but yeah people love those minis so i think that's definitely we'll we'll do that you know in the future we'll get a lot more yeah I'm glad people had fun. I mean, I'll tell you, my son's, you know, I've got a four-year-old and two-year-old, and the two-year-old was all about the meeples. You guys gave out meeples, too. And yep. uh, he he really was having a lot of fun. I mean, I carried him most of the con, obviously, because, I mean, he's two. He runs up to every table and tries to pull stuff off the table. So uh, I was carrying him around most of the con, and uh, he would just put, he would take the meeple and, like, put it in his shirt pocket and then put it in my shirt pocket and then put it in his and then like hold it up and talk about it <laughs> but it, he said yeah. he had a great time just doing that yeah uh, we gave out a lot of meeples but um that was like our yeah it was like our consolation prize you know somebody we had just like this huge assortment of different colored meeples and um yeah if they didn't roll any doubles and they were just really bad luck they would just get the the meeple if they wanted it but yeah we, we gave away a bunch of games too um like i said about 10 or 12 of the small box games, Robots, um, Castles of Burgundy, the card game. That's yeah. one of my favorites. Love Letter. Um, I'm trying to remember some of the others. Oh, that little for sale. I'm so jealous of that one, too. Like, all of the games. I was picking out games that I really like, you know. And um, a lot of them, I was like, mm, you know, like when I was unloading them, even at the con, I'm going, you know, I could just put this back in my bag, you know. <laughs> I was like, I could just take this home with me. <laughs> but I wound up giving them all away, I think. But the yeah. the for sale, it's like travel size for sale. So it's in this little deck box. And, you know, it's just the size of a deck. And um, that that's really, really cool to me because I love for sale. It's one of my favorite games. And, um you know, I mean, it's still a small box game, but I, I do. I, it is. It's kind of like Splendor. There's like no reason for the box to be as big as it is. You know, right? So I think the little small box and this travel size is pretty cool. But then, yeah, the Magic decks. Uh, uh, those were a pretty big hit. Um, we had maybe oh, can't remember five or six decks. How many ever they are? How many ever there are on Cool Stuff? But Cool Stuff Inc. has. I guess they're like older cards, but they actually construct a playable deck, um, you know, for new players and they have a theme and they're all colored. So there's like a green one, a black one, red, you know, white, blue. Yeah. That's a really great idea. I mean, I, I saw, you showed me that when I came over to your house and, uh, I mean, yeah. I think that's something if you're interested, maybe starting, or if you just want to introduce it to somebody, uh, that's a great way to do it. Yeah, yeah. I actually wound up, I mean, not by, I didn't hold them back or anything, but people just didn't win. There was two of them left, you know, at the end of the day. So I actually wound up with two of them. I can't remember what colors they are, but um, I've never really played Magic other than like the digital stuff that we've talked about in the past. So might give that a try sometime. And then you had a couple of big bucks? We we gave away, I know we had the D&D starter set that a lot of people wanted, but the way I did it was um, when somebody won the, we had like three big box games besides the grand prize. And so 
um, we only had two winners of the big box games um and they got their their pick of the litter and so one of them didn't didn't go but the buffy the vampire slayer we gave it away the cooperative game mm-hmm. um it was it was really <laughs> people really wanted it a lot of people came up and just, maybe just fans of the show maybe weren't familiar with the game itself but a lot of people showed a lot of interest in that so it was the first one chosen and then um the D starter set didn't go though so i was kind of shocked on that because a lot of people talked about it but i guess the people who won it just weren't interested actually i think the guy who won it already had D and decided not to get it but anyway then we gave away the godfather from simon um the eric lane game yeah that's the one that everybody wanted yeah i had such an outpouring because we had it at retrocon like on display kind of as a tease for okicon you know we gave away a lot of stuff there too as well but and we had like maybe three or four maybe even five people um, send me messages on facebook and on the like the email and all that kind of stuff um you know in twitter talking about the godfather wanting to know when are we giving it away what time do i need to be there and all this kind of stuff they want to make sure they didn't miss it you know and then they all showed up and try to get the drawing but anyway it was, it was a good good turnout I was, I was really impressed with everybody and kind of shocked at how many people were there and, and how friendly and you know it was exhausting don't get me wrong back and two between all the tables and we're doing the the tournament the pixel tactics tournament that oh also adam crib won again so shout out to him congrats adam (laughs) he's he told me i played with him friday night uh the friday night gaming you know this past time like after the you know the week after the con he um beat me in a tie you know with the tiebreaker and when i when he told me that he was like right when he right when he beat me he didn't know what the tiebreaker was and we had to look it up and make sure what it was and he won and then he said that he hadn't lost yet you know so he's been in the two tournaments he's done like a ton of play to wins he's played like i mean way more than me at this point but i'm guessing maybe around you know 15 games or so at least 10 but somewhere between 10 and 15 and he's undefeated <laughs> so wow. somebody needs to somebody needs to take care of that so i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to line up a game on tabletop i, I know right yeah so but yeah, he just he just keeps winning. So that's why he he's all in. He's ordered like every the deluxe and everything he can get his hands on right now. It seems like. But yeah, I'm sure our listeners can tell. I mean, we've been pretty hot on this game the last couple episodes. I mean, lately, <clears throat> seems like that's all we can talk about. But it is it is a great game, and I think it's got a lot of uh, it's got a lot of legs underneath it, and it's going to go for quite a while. Um, but it's also a great game to do at cons. I mean, it's it's fun. The games are pretty quick. It's easy to get a lot of people involved. And I know when you got there, you had a lot of people that were ready to go to sign up. So I think there's a lot of interest in it right now. Uh, so it's it's fun, you know. For sure, yeah. I was I was kind of shocked because we kind of struggled to get the tournament field, and I think maybe the timing had a lot to do with it too. But in the first, you know, retrocon, we um, we had the tournament a lot earlier in the day, and so people didn't have enough time to get you know like people that were coming by and playing it. You know, it was kind of like, oh, the tournament's starting in 30 minutes. You know, and they're like, well, I don't have time to learn it and play in the tournament. So, but anyway, mm-hmm. um, there's just more people too. But this week, or at OkiCon, you know, we had, you know, the whole tournament was full. We could only hold um, 10 people, but we actually wound up cutting it back to eight just because I didn't want an extra round. But anyway, we um, we filled up um, before I even made the announcement. You know, like I didn't even have to go up to the microphone and make an announcement. They just, we were already full. And we had people on a little wait list as well. So it all worked out great. But um, I was kind of, impressed with the with the guys that were at RetroCon and OkiCon. They they stepped up, Caleb and um Adam and all those guys, Joe, they were 
walking around and finding people for the tournament and you know helping out teaching all these other guys i mean i could not have done it without their cooperation and their you know them stepping up and 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 helping out with the tournament so it wasn't just me thanks guys for helping i saw that they, they were really uh kind of going above and beyond uh teach a lot of the newer people so that's great yeah yeah it's a really good group there but yeah i think it was a big success i think that the the con all together was great i think everybody there was having a great time and i can't wait to do it again next year yeah sounds like a lot of fun sounds like the only thing we need to do is maybe spread those two cons apart i'd be all for that because it was pretty stressful for me which i mean okicon was more of a last minute deal i got added on about a week before you know about two weeks ago or two weeks before the con and i was so focused on retrocon that i didn't really have time to prepare for okicon until the week of so i mean if i knew in advance it wouldn't be as bad especially with this under my belt but wow that was some busy these last two three weeks have been crazy getting ready for all that and putting them on uh, running around with a like a chicken with my head cut off but I think I'll be a lot more prepared for any other events we ever do in the future. But, yeah, I mean, I think spreading them out would be great. It's kind of crazy that Waycross is such a small rural area in South Georgia that um, they have the two biggest events of the year are a week apart. And I understand it's International Tabletop Day and Free Comic Book Day, but that doesn't mean we couldn't, <laughs> you know, just change the dates a little bit, like fudge them a little bit or even put one, like you said, maybe in the fall or something. Yeah, I think that would be a good idea. That's above my pay grade. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> well all right unless you got something else to say about that we can get to some news topics get to the news all right all right let's talk about the news i don't think we can really get to the news without hitting this big one first and that's this talk of an Asmo Day sale. So I think you pulled up the story here, which that's all they've been talking about on on all the <clears throat> Facebook groups and a lot on Board Game Geek. It's pretty big news for our industry now that Asmo Day is like the Disney <laughs> of board games or whatever you want to call them. But that really is. I, you know, I knew that Asmo Day was big. I guess I didn't know how big they were. Apparently, they're about they're worth about one point eight billion us dollars or about 1.5 billion euros obviously that's an estimated value but still that's a lot of money i think that when people think about the board gaming industry they think about this small hobby industry that uh you know it's kind of <laughs> it's not really thought about in terms of uh in terms of the commercial uh investment world but but asmodee is truly an example of that they were they were bought out I think in 2013 by a private investment or private equity group called Eurozeo, E-U-R-A-Z-E-O. And so since that time, they've kind of gone on a acquisition merger spree. Uh, Obviously, the big ones that they've acquired over the last couple of years are uh, Fantasy Flight Games, uh, Days of Wonder, uh, Z-Man, Plaid Hat. I mean, they own Pokemon trading card games. They own WizKids. Uh, they own Catan. They own Ticket to Ride. They own X-Wing. I mean, the list goes on and on. They're about as... They're, I mean, they are the biggest single entity within the board gaming community. Um, 
Yeah, I and mean, so it, when 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 they were kind of getting strong, like maybe just five years ago, you know, people were like kind of comparing them, like, well, you know, are they going to become this conglomerate? Are they going to be real big? And I just remember hearing like news and podcasts and stuff talking about it and saying you know no you know as long as there's like you know as long as fantasy flight and days of wonder and all these big companies out there like they'll never you know they will never get a monopoly and it's just like those are the companies that they bought you know they bought the biggest ones out there like they built all got all the the biggest you know competition so yeah i mean it's ridiculous like the share of the market they have now so yeah they have it they have a huge share of the market but what i will say is we don't really this is all speculation we don't know i mean they, they haven't have, sold anything they have not sold yet and it's really still a rumor they the reason this has become a rumor is because the company the the french-based company uh is trying to well has hired a private equity group sorry has hired an investment banker group to run the sale and to kind of run the numbers and look into it as a viable option i can't think of a time when you know you've heard a rumor about asmodee either acquiring someone or a similar type story when it hasn't really been true so i'm i mean i'm sure this is going to happen now the question is some people were speculating that maybe they would buy out their own shares so that they could have more control of the company i don't see that happening i think they're gonna i think that the equity group is going to sell out to another investment group I mean, gosh, I have no idea how much the stuff's actually worth, but didn't they buy them for like 150 million? I think was that the maybe that was euros like back in 13. I don't remember, but I know they're going to make a lot of money off of yeah. it. I think now's a good time to sell, honestly. I mean, even if they have some crazy debt or something, I mean, I don't think there's any way they're not clearing a billion dollars. That's with a B, <laughs> yeah. you know. It's like I don't think anyone could possibly fault them for wanting to sell no, this. It's, it's like, oh my it's god, it's a lot like, of money. Like a lot of people are going, that's crazy to sell something like Asmodee. They've got the market corner. They own all these properties, and it's just, I mean, it might be like sell, trying to sell Disney or Star Wars, you know, like in year one or something. At this point, I don't know. Like it could just become something crazy, but. I just don't see the. I don't think the board game market is big enough I don't for them. I, I mean, I wouldn't want to purchase it if I had that. If I was giving advice to a huge company or with that much money, it just seems crazy to spend that much money right now. What else you got? What else you got in the news? Stuff. One week Ultimate Werewolf. I need to pull this game up. I didn't get it ready ahead of time, but um, this game looks great. I watched a playthrough and a little preview review. I think there's only one out there. Some um, some guy that got a a copy from Bezier, so I'm sure if you Google it, you'll find it, whoever that guy is. Thanks, buddy. And um, But it's One Week Ultimate Werewolf. I think this is so cool. It's like a gamer's game version of um, One Night. I love all these werewolf games. I love all the Bezier stuff. We've got the, we've got Werewolf, um, well, we've got actually Ultimate Werewolf, Ultimate Edition, which is Bezier. Then we have One Night, and then we have Daybreak, Vampire, like there's another one i know we got where words but I, I just love all this stuff these social deduction games but what this is this is three to seven players it's an hour long though 45 minutes to an hour ted ausbitch same guy designs all these he's made it what i love about it is they're taking the focus off of the character so like each person you're not you're not an actual character in the game i don't think the way i understand Oh, excuse me. The way I understand it is everybody like has a deck of cards or, or a hand of cards. 
in those cards are the different powers so like you know one will be the the robber or the um insomniac or the seer and all you know all the the normal traditional one night things but there are these different rooms it's like i want to think it's mad ludwig's castle yeah Hmm. it isn't reading here so it's ludwig's castle is where you're at and i think that's cool that they're branching that those two like universes together which maybe they've always been together i don't know that much about it but so ludwig's castle is um there's all these rooms and the rooms like your character is moving between all these rooms and whichever room you're in you get like a different power different bonus you know and i think that's so cool so you gotta like if you think you know who it is or you want to accuse somebody, you have to get to the room that lets you do that. Or you get like a bonus action. Maybe you can go to the certain room to to be protected where nobody can, you know, use a power on you, that kind of stuff. So I think it's a really neat, um, real, you know, much more strategic, longer um, one week. But it's all social deduction and um, it, it just looks really, really fun. I watched the playthrough and I'm excited about it because I think it's going to be a, a great you know addition to the game for people that love all these games all these werewolf games and love this universe and in this whole genre of games but they just want a little more just want it to be a little little heavier a little chunkier you know i mean it's probably still a super light to medium weight game but um but sitting there and playing a 45 minute to an hour werewolf game just seems so cool to me and and i think the rooms just make it so cool oh and there's just like so much variability too so like you could the rooms change out every game um the roles and the you know the hands change out so it's like and there's all these like kickstarter stretch goals and expansions so it's going to be a kickstarter and there's like all this extra stuff there's all this variability so you could play this game like 10 times and it like not feel the same at all but Anyway, I'm I'm really excited about it. There's another game that I'm interested in that's coming out, and uh, some of our listeners may be interested, but Clips Second Edition. I think they're calling it Second Dawn for the Galaxy. Yeah, that, that's that's not my specialty. Uh, I've played Eclipse maybe twice digitally. I have a copy here, but I've never actually played it on the physical version. So uh, I'll let you take this one for sure. Well, you know, there's it's... The game came out, I think, 2011 or something like that. I'll have to pull that up, fact check. But it, it came out um, several years ago, and uh, you know, it was touted as kind of a... When it came out, people were saying it was the Twilight Imperium killer, and obviously that's not true. It's a very different game and not quite as long. But it is, it is in many respects, a 4X-style game, that plays in a much shorter time frame than Twilight Imperium, so it has it has some pros to it that kind of a lot of people like. In other words, if you don't want to sit at a table for a weekend playing a game, this may be that it may give you that same kind of feel in a shorter time span. Um, but one of the things that people didn't like is that you had these flat player boards that were uh, stiff paper, not like cardboard chip paper but uh stiff paper that basically if you if you hit the table hard or if you hit the paper it would your pieces would get moved around kind of like terra mystica uh, sorry like uh terraforming mars how the pieces can kind of get shifted around on your player board and then you kind of lose track yeah. of what you've done you know and so people don't like that so a lot of these aftermarket overlays came out these acrylic uh overlays and 
and those are things that people were paying for. So I think the the new edition, if I'm not mistaken, they're going to kickstart it, and it's going to have some nice inlaid boards as part of the base pledge. And um, they're just revamping some of the rules. I think it's going to be eight rounds instead of nine. So they're going to shorten it a little bit, and I think they're going to make it a little more forgiving so that whenever you're exploring and when you're flipping over tiles, you can kind of do more uh, during the flip so that you don't have to use as many of your influence tokens uh, to kind of, you know, I always felt like when I was playing the game that I would flip over a, a tile and I, I would have to use like a third of my turns during a round just to kind of explore and do everything I need to do with that one tile. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, and I think this is going to free you up a little bit more. At least that's my impression. Yeah, I mean, I think that kind of touching on all what you said there, I think that it, it definitely has a reputation for being the most accessible and easiest to learn and get into, maybe more streamlined, that kind of stuff, than any other 4X game while still being a you know true 4x game like there's a lot of games that are a lot lighter that call themselves 4x and things like that i know alien artifacts try to do that i've never played it i've got it never never cracked the seal on it but it's a card game um, version of a 4x and it's supposed to kind of feel that way but but eclipse like i said it's the it's the like you know that's the reputation it has that it's the one you start with if you've never played a 4x game and you want to get into it get eclipse and try it so i think that them you know, redoing it like this and trying to streamline even even more, I think is great. I think that's going to make it even more accessible and more um, approachable for people trying to get into the um, to that genre. Um, one question: Do you know if there's going to be a conversion kit? I kind of assume there would be, but do you know? You know, people have asked about that in the forums, and I don't know that they've said either way yet. I haven't read all of the forums yet, so maybe it's somewhere there, and I'm sure a listener could correct us. Just send your correction to Tom at whoshuffled.com because he'll want to hear about it. I will. Uh, but <laughs> I don't Thank know. You. I mean, I, I'm assuming that they would, I would like to think they would do that. But, you know, they, I don't think they did that with uh, Twilight Imperium. I think it was just a new Twilight Imperium. So that's probably. Well, yeah, but they, they changed that a lot. You know, it was a major, major overhaul, like on all the TI versions. But. Well, they're going to, I think they're rebalancing some things. They're changing some of the start technologies. Uh, they've right. got new hexes. The Galactic Center has changed. They're changing some of the tectiles. They're in, they're adding some tectiles, um, and there's the miniature that's going to come with the ship pack one, which was an expansion for the original version. So I mean, I guess they it's possible they could do that. I'm just thinking they're going to be changing too much in order for that to be viable. Yeah, I wasn't really sure exactly what they were changing, so. I don't know. I don't know. I was thinking. I don't. I haven't actually punched mine yet, so I might, I might wait and try to get rid of it and get the new version. I think now's a good time to sell because I think the Kickstarter they're talking about doing it in June. Yeah, might try to get rid of it. If we do another big giveaway, that might could be a good one because it might be in the I shrink. Think, I know it hadn't been punched, but it looked like it was in the shrink the last time I was at your house. Yeah, I have, definitely hadn't changed anything since then. But um, one other thing I wanted to talk about was Decrypto. Have you heard anything about this game? Briefly, you mentioned it, but tell me more about it. Okay, so Decrypto. Um, I'm not going to say 
I'm not going to agree with what everyone else is saying. Like any any forum you look at, any podcast, they're all calling it the code names killer. Um, now I think that these are this game is way different enough that it's. I mean, it's probably going to have a lot of hype. It's already doing really well in cons. I think it's actually been released. Um, it's going to definitely be in my next um, cool stuff order. But it's pretty cheap. I want to think it's like fifteen or seventeen dollars or something right now on cool stuff. But what's cool about it is, so Decrypto, what you've got is you've got these two standees, these two little boards that are, you know, standing up um, on either side of the table. And you've got two teams, one on either side of the table. And there are four words, just like your old school red um, plastic see-through technology, whatever you call that, the red film. And so you mm-hmm. slide these cards in there and they're revealed, right? And there's one, two, three, and four. You've got these four slots on your little board. On you know, Each team has the same thing, and it's simultaneous. But so the – or they have the boards up simultaneously. It's not – I don't think it's simultaneous play or anything. But so you've got these these words, and let me just look at the example here. The example here has – I can't even read that. It's something, nightmare, circle, punk. You know, so there's all these words, and they're, they're numbered one, two, three, and four. Well, the code – giver or whatever the one person he's looking and he has a code he sees the code and he's trying to give clues to the team or either the team's trying to give clues to him i can't remember but the idea of it is that you're trying to figure out what the code is the order of one two three four okay and you're trying to communicate that to your team all the while the other team's listening so the point is you're trying to let your let your team know we want to go, you know, say like four, two, three, one. And the word, you know, number, number four is punk. I have to give a clue. Like I might say, um, jerk, dream, circle. I mean, a circle square or shape or something like that, you know. And then, so you're trying, I'm trying to give you the code of what the order is without the other team guessing what the words are. That makes sense. So it's that yeah. it's that whole code names trying to give a clue that's good enough for everybody on your team because they're looking at the words without letting the other team know what the words are. And I think that's so cool. Like, and you have to use like different words each time. So the other team is trying to guess what the words are. Yes, yes. So they can't see your words, but you're trying to let your teams trying to figure out the order um, of each like each time. Like each time you got to do them in order, and you're doing like different codes, right? So you're using the same words though, and so you got to come up with ways, <clears throat> like really crazy words, to let your team know, you know, what order without, you know, without giving them, without giving the clues so good that their team can can deduce what words you're using. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like what words you're. Anyway, I mean, I just think it's going to be really, really fun and really cool because I just love the idea of. You know, everybody's sitting there and your whole team is looking at the words and you see all the words and you're just trying not to say. Anyway, I, I just I just really expect this to be a big hit, going to be a, a another Codenames type success, I think. I mean, it's just so simple. The concept's so simple. Dropping these four words in there and having to give clues, you know, in a, in a special way. Yeah, it looks it looks pretty sweet. I think, I mean, the table presence is pretty cool having the uh, the floppy drive looking cards. And I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The little yeah, it looks like whatever. One throw back to the eighties and nineties. Yeah, what is that? Like a two and a half inch floppy drive, three and a half inch. Yeah, so ones. yeah, yeah. 
it looks really cool so i'm excited about the crypto but that is from um ew. scorpion can't read the uh, yellow i think is the is the publisher here in well scorpion mask did the um the one that's on the box on here so i don't know if they were the original publishers i saw a picture with yellow on it that may be the uh american yeah maybe that's the crypto though, but I'm excited about yeah. it. Do you have any cool. other games? So, yeah, I mean, we could we could save this for next time if you want. But there's there are two games kind of that are in the hotness right now that people are talking about that I didn't really know much about. But when I was prepping for the show, I kind of remembered seeing them in the hotness, so I started reading more about them. Um, but basically, they are dungeon exploring games. One is called D100, D100 Dungeon. And if I'm not mistaken, it's a print and play. So you just, I mean, you can go on Board Game Geek and print it out. I think there are some, uh, you, you can print it out through some of these professional uh, printing services as well. Uh, but basically, it, it says the description of it is you just need a pencil, a few sheets of paper, two D10s, a D6, and the manual. And then you just start playing this, uh, this dungeon crawler. And it's, basically um you know it's a it's a game where it's like a pen and paper rpg you're kind of choosing your own adventure uh but it's a solo game um that's my understanding at least and then there's another another one that's very similar that has also been really popular lately and that one's called four against darkness like the number four but spelled out against darkness and that one came out in 2016 i believe it was another print and play um, dice rolling type mechanisms. Basically, they say no miniatures are needed. All you need is a book, a pencil, two six-sided die, and grid paper. And and you can go on Board Game Geek and you can see where people have drawn out their own dungeons and they've kept track of their characters' stats. And so it's kind of like a old-school Game Boy RPG that is set in set on pen and paper, where you kind of have a little bit of freedom, I think, to do role-playing but that's not what it is what it is is a dungeon dungeon crawling game that is really just solitaire it's pretty pretty interesting concept yeah i mean they're definitely the artwork definitely harkens back to like 80s rpg i mean you know you and ryan and Hugh have talked about that recently that's not something that i had ever gotten into i'm not opposed to it but i think that the I think that the artwork is really kind of interesting and is actually drawing me in it makes me want to kind of explore it little bit more um i do think you know the kind of the description they have for for against darkness is they said what the game is not it's not a miniatures game it's not a role-playing game uh, it's not a game book or choose your own adventure uh, it's really a uh, kind of a dungeon diving game where you're trying to level up your character but it's a solo created game and apparently there's lots of different scenarios and I mean, they say that the PDF comes with 65 pages. Uh, I think you can download it for $8, the PDF for For Against Darkness. I think the other one's free. That actually reminds me, um, Friday night at the um, gaming thing, we were sitting there playing um, Welcome to the Dungeon, or we might have been playing Rhino Hero. We played a bunch of stuff, but while we were sitting there playing, these guys that are like at the other end of this big table set up they were trying to get a and d group going they were asking us if we wanted to play and i was like oh i got too much <laughs> too much going on i can't i would love to but i was like i can't you know 
devote it. If they were going to do it online, I probably would have said yes because um, the reason why is they're playing AD&D, Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, the original one. So that's from... You know, the original Dungeons and Dragons was like what seven, early seventies. I don't know, but he said that this one was the um, um, like nineteen seventy eight book. I think that he had, or maybe seventy nine. He had the Dungeon Master's Guide, and it had the like old school pictures on it. And he had the big screen up, and it was all the original stuff. And I was just like geeking out. I just wanted to like stop playing our game and go over there and check out all of his old stuff. But he 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 um like I said offered me a spot in the game and i just thought that would be so cool i've never played anything other than fifth edition and i just think it'd be really neat to like go back and play the original stuff i mean dungeons and dragons was obviously what set the stage and what you know put it all in motion the original but i think advanced dungeons and dragons ad and d that was the second thing that came out right you know so um they're about it was about five years later or something and um it's what just propelled it and made it so you know um, popular I think because like when you look at the like when I look back at people playing right. Dungeons and Dragons in in media or like in film or TV you always see that he's got like the I don't even know what he is but he looks like this big demon holding the, the fire you know like, like that's the, the the picture you always see on there and that's the cover of the AD&D you know you never see the old old school Dungeons and Dragons but anyway um no, that's way off subject, but yeah, I would I would like to to try some of these solo things too. But man, time it's just like playing that pursuit of happiness. Time is our most valuable asset now. Well, you want to talk about some games that we actually have played? Yeah. All right, let's do it. Let's talk about some games we've been playing. So, first up, me and you got to play a game together um, a couple nights ago. Yeah, yeah, we played played it on tabletop. That's how we do most of our games these days, it seems. Yeah, uh, we we got uh, we got Seven Wonders Duel to the table. We did the virtual table. Yeah, virtual table. That was the first time I'd ever played it. You taught it to me. Yeah, I, I love Seven Wonders Duel. I know we talked about it. I don't know if we covered it actually, but I think we we just mentioned it a lot in the two player episode. Me and Ryan. Um, I still think I don't know what I said in that episode because I I can't even remember what I've talked about what I've said. But at this moment, um, I probably said the same thing at the time. But Seven Wonders Duel has got to be my favorite two player game of all time. I just can't imagine me picking a better game than that. Who knows? My tastes change constantly. But as of today, that's it. Yeah, I had a lot. I had a lot of fun playing it. I mean, I think you can definitely see the. I mean, it is truly a Seven Wonders game. If you've ever played, if you have not played Seven Wonders Duel, but you've played Seven Wonders, it makes a lot of sense to you. It's the same kind of cards, the same. You know, you have wonders you're trying to build. Uh, the way that the cards are drafted is unique. Um, you want to talk about that? Sure. Yeah, it's just like laid out in a tableau. Um, well, first off, I want to I want to say that I love Seven Wonders. It's a good game. Like I really like that game. I did that top 100 way back and it's totally out of date and I don't even really want to talk about it. I need to redo it now because I've played so many new games since then. But I mean, Seven Wonders Duel is just so much higher on my list. I mean, it's 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 touching my top 10 for sure. Maybe top, definitely top 20, you know, all time games. Seven Wonders, I mean, it's fallen. It might be, I can't imagine it's in my top 
50. You know, I mean, it's it's a fun game. Don't get me wrong. I like it. It's real unique. I love the fact that no matter how many players you got, you know, theoretically, the game is about the same time. You, know, you can play with three people or seven people. And it's about the same game length. All the simultaneous, you know, actions and all like that. But, um, but man, I just love Duel. It's so slick. So, so quick. Everything just makes sense. But, yeah, so, like, you're talking about the drafting it's my favorite drafting game too. Right, and you're laying it out in a what would you call it? Like a, a card shape, kind of like a solitaire, or like yeah. There's three different. There's three different shapes. I mean, there's for age one, age two, age three. They have different shapes, but there's a pyramid shape. There's a reverse pyramid, and then there's one that's kind of like an hourglass. Yeah. I think. But yeah, you're 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 basically drafting only the ones that are like on the top or at the bottom row, but the ones that are like physically on top of the other cards. You know, so you have to like unlock the cards basically so like if you, you know at the beginning almost every card has two cards on top of it so once you take both of them off then if it's face down you can flip it over and see some are face down some are face up i like that too so you can kind of see ahead and plan ahead a little bit but then there's all that you know you gotta there's a lot of risk in you know do i let my opponent you know do i take this card that i really need or do i let my opponent see the the new one first or have the first chance at it because i think that's a big part of it you know is trying to play that um yeah absolutely that mind game there, i mean and you can also you can also see kind of what's some of the cards are flipped up right so you can kind of see what is going to come but then some of the cards are face down and you as you as you take cards you open up yeah access to it like right. you're saying that that i think is really part of the game is trying to know what card is I mean, and that's true of any drafting game, but the way it's done in Seven Wonders Duel is unique uh, versus like um, what's the what's the one of the Artipia um, Artipia games? They have one that's similar to Seven Wonders. Um, uh, I can't think of it, but anyway, it's different than other drafting games in that as you open up cards, or as you take cards, you open up other cards to other players. Yeah. Or to the other player. Yeah, I don't know. Some um, among the stars. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Yeah, I actually I've never played it, but I just bought it on um, on Android. They had it on sale. They got an app for it that's really. Oh. I think it just came out. I didn't know that. And it's supposed to be really, really good. I have to get it when you play. Yeah, I, I just got it like two days ago. I haven't played it yet, but but yeah, that's why you said Artipia. I was like, wait, wait, that's the game I just bought. But um, but yeah, I think the it's Bruno Cathala, you know, who who made it, and I think what makes you know, I'm talking about back on um, Seven Wonders. It's Antoine Bowser's and Bruno Cathala. Mm-hmm. Um, Bowser's one of my favorite um, designers. We, when we first started, we had about maybe when we were around like 25 to 40 games somewhere in there. We got a look in one day when we were sorting, and we had no idea like how many um, Bowser games we we owned. You know, we got we got to sorting, and it was like. Well, let me see here. Not that anybody really cares, but um, Seven Wonders Duel, Seven Wonders had Ghost Stories, Takanoko, Hanabi, Takedo. We had all those. Games. We had this whole shelf that was Bowser games, you know. But um, yeah, he's a he's a good designer for sure. He is Oceanos. Welcome back to the dungeon. But anyway, um, so yeah, so he's he, he's a great designer. But yeah, what I think what so what I was getting at was you can kind of see the Cathala coming through. Is it so? so simple and elegant elegance a really good word for this game because you literally take that card like we're talking about this drafting game you take that card you can either pay for it and play it down to your tableau you can sell it and get gold for it 
or you can use it to build your wonder and that's the entire game so of course there's stipulations and changes um and different you know, different things and choices you can make on each of those three things but that's literally all you do is you draw one card and or draft one card and you're going to do one of those three options and i just think that's so slick and so elegant yeah absolutely i think that the level of difficulty is low but the number of options that you have on your turn uh, is high. I mean, you don't have a, a lot of choices to make, but the implications of that downstream, uh, the butterfly effect is pretty high. So there's a lot of, when you're making decisions, it feels like you're making a whole lot of decisions, when in reality, you're just choosing one of three things. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think the, the decisions, like you said, are really strong and the planning ahead and all that good stuff. One thing is, the re- I guess you're alluding to that, is the replayability. I mean, even though it's so easy to teach, I mean, I think when me and Lauren first played it, we got it in Savannah at a um, game shop there. And we, we sat there in the hotel room that night and we were staying there for the weekend and we played it probably like four times in a row you know like that first night it was just like one after another we were just you know just loved it so much but um anyway it the there has an expansion that came out pantheon which i still want to get i don't know why i haven't gotten it yet but um it's considered one of the like best expansions ever for any game you know it's like a must buy but um it, right. it adds a lot to it so I'd, I'd be interested in that one day but anyway um well, we also, uh, me and my wife have been playing a lot of um, one of the GIF game series called Czar. And GIF is a series of games, abstract two-player games that came out several years ago in the mid-90s kind of time frame. Um, there were several games. GIF, G-I-P-F was the first one, and then uh, there were several other ones, Vaughn, DV, Owen, and they all kind of have uh, weird names. Uh, Link, Punked. Yeah, the Yinch, or however you say it. That's the only one Yinch. I've ever actually yeah. heard of. So I've got Yinch and I've got Czar. And uh, we've been playing, we like both. I mean, I like both pretty equally, but we've been playing a lot of Czar recently because that was the one that we've acquired most recently. But it's an interesting game. The way it works basically is... Um, it is a hex-shaped board that has a series of uh, lines that basically make... Uh, there's a bunch of lines that break up the board that make points in the board that your pieces will fall on. All the pieces are shaped. They're circular pieces, discs, that either have nothing on them or a single dot in the center of it or they have a dot with a circle around it. So basically, you've got three different pieces you're going to be playing with. They're all disc, like I mentioned, but if it's some of the some of the discs are called czars, and you've got six of those, you've got nine zaras, which are just the ones with the dot on them, and then you've got fifteen of the tots, I believe is what they're called, and those are just the ones without anything on them. And uh, the the game's pretty simple, like most of the GIF series. I mean, the rules are. Uh, really easy to teach. It's really easy for people to grasp. And um, it's a game that I think is not super... I guess the reason I like them is that it doesn't seem so complex or so hard to wrap your mind around that you couldn't get most of your family members to sit down and play a game with you. But there's also more strategy involved and more depth to it 
that you don't feel like you're playing checkers, right? Yeah. It's not it's not a lifestyle game like chess where you know clearly someone may have the advantage if they've played it a thousand times. But it's uh, so I guess in that way it seems more accessible. But the goal of the game is to try to either a um, get rid of one type of piece. So if you ever, I think if you ever lose one of your all of one type of piece, you're out of the game. So if you lose your six czars, you're out of the game. You've lost. If you lose your if you lose your nine czars, then you're out. And if you lose your fifteen tots, you're out. So obviously, you're trying to protect your czars. The pieces all move the same. On your turn, you're gonna basically move in any direction, any number of spaces, and then land on an opponent's piece, knocking it off the board can't jump over pieces but you can move an unlimited number of spaces until you come into contact with another piece along the grids and then once you've moved that piece off the board you have one more move and so basically two moves on a turn and for your second move you can either knock another piece off the board or you can double up so you can take one of your pieces and stack it onto another piece and it does not have to be the same piece you just moved and so the interesting thing about it is you're always trying to balance getting rid of the opponent's piece while at the same time making your pieces bigger. And so the reason you want your stacks to be taller is because if it's a if you've got a two stack and somebody else has got a one stack and they don't have any two stacks, they cannot ever overtake your two stack. But once they get a two stack, now your two stack is at risk because a two stack can take a two stack. And so, you know, if you have the bigger the stack, the better off you are because now you're kind of protected from being overtaken. And so it's kind of this back and forth. Um, the game plays pretty quickly. Uh, and, you know, I think really I could probably teach this game to most people, even people who are not into the hobby game market. And uh, I think they would really enjoy it and find it pretty easy to learn. Yeah, it looks really interesting. I'm looking at some pictures here. I'd never heard of it. Like I said, I'd heard of Vienich, but never heard of Czar. Looks pretty cool. I might would want to try it one day. Well, I guess if that's all you got, then we can do a quick little top. So our topic today is going to be pretty short. I know we've went a little long on our games and news, but. We are talking about, this is kind of like a little fun thing that I wanted to do for sure. Um, I found these lists. These are real common. I've heard a lot, a lot of podcasts or YouTubers. I've, I've seen them do these, like talking about gamer stereotypes. And that's what I'm getting at is like these, the stereotypical, um, you know, the different like personalities or roles of board gamers. And um, I'm going to try to do this more in jest than anything else, just because some of these are ridiculous, but um, I just wanted to kind of read some of these out and let's just talk about them and just see, you know, what we think, see if we have any of these qualities. Cause I don't think that I don't know anybody that fits any of these personally, but I think everybody has moments that could kind of fall into all of these things probably. So uh, I just think it'll be a neat little fun segment to do. I'm going to hit the most 
popular ones first. Go ahead and get them out of the way, the ones everybody knows. So I know I, I didn't really prime you for this at all. You hadn't looked at any of this, um, Josh, but just off the top of your head, what's some of them that you, you can just think of, like the most common ones that you always hear in the hobby refer to? Yeah, I mean, I think people within the hobby always talk about the alpha gamer, and that comes up a lot, especially when you're talking about cooperative games. Uh, yeah, that's number one on my list. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then there's always the uh, the casual gamer stereotype. Oh, you're just he's just a casual gamer. Yeah. Oh, and see, I don't know who that is, but that's the guy I don't like the most. Is the guy who refers to a casual gamer in a derogatory way. You know, like he's like, <laughs> oh, he's just a casual gamer. You know, he's you know beneath me. You know, but yeah, but yeah. So that's a good one. Well, okay. Well, I'm I'm just gonna go through some of these. So the alpha gamer. Let's go ahead and touch on that. So. What do you think of when you hear alpha gamer? You know, I think of someone who really tries to control the uh, really tries to control the table. The person who's always, you know, I re- I, going back to cooperative games. I think this is really where that type of player shows up the most. But I'll give you another example in a second. But in cooperative games, when everyone's trying to work together as a team, one person who knows the game the most usually becomes the alpha gamer. And there are several cooperative games that try and prevent this from happening but you know pandemic. if you're playing if you're playing pandemic with someone who's played it a lot that person may say you know clearly the best move here is for us to do this and uh they can really kind of take over a gaming session and so and that can be off-putting to people right i mean if you if you've never played if you haven't played many games and you're you're sitting down at a table because someone asks you to play a game with them and now they're telling you how to play the game <laughs> that, that might not be the most fun experience. Well, I think any cooperative game that can be played solo, you don't want to play that game with an alpha gamer because like, okay, like pandemic, you can play that solo. You can turn all the cards up, face up. And I fall victim to this when me and Hugh play, we, we were both me and Hugh definitely fall victim to this because the problem with pandemic is it is a puzzle, you know? It's, that's why I look at it. It's a every every game. It's like a Sudoku puzzle. I mean, it's, you, there's a there's an optimal way to do things at certain points. Not always. There's always options and things. But you'll come to a point where it's like you can you know exactly which you know towns or cities are in the stack. You know exactly which ones. And it's like you know you've got a you know nine out of ten chance that this is the best move and a one out of ten that we should do this you know and so it's like it's so hard to sit there and not do that and so i actually don't like playing games because i have that tendency but any kind of cooperative game that a solo person can't do like a you know team game like i'm thinking like hanabi's only thing i can think of like that has nothing to do with there's no alpha gaming there right? hanabi's all about um, not being able to see your own cards and communication and things like that. So um, um, I think that, you know, that's a good way to deal with it. I guess is what I was getting at is, you know, you can play cooperative games with an alpha gamer, but maybe just not ones that can be played solo because sometimes those games, there are there is a best way to do it. And it's it's hard for someone who knows the best way and just sitting there and watching someone make a suboptimal move. You get what I mean? That- yeah, absolutely. Me and my wife went to a local game store and kind of played some pickup games with people that we didn't know. And, uh, you know, we ran into guys who were both very nice and, 
you know, cordial and we set up a game of terraforming Mars and started playing it. And clearly he had played a lot more terraforming Mars than either of us had and of the other guy at the table. And, uh, he got into this kind of role where he was teaching the game in a way where he was, um, where he was trying to, uh, push, you know, push the optimal strategy on the other players. And that, you know, that can be off-putting to people who don't play a whole lot or it really can be off-putting to anybody. But I think, and he was just trying to be helpful, but uh, it came across in a way that may, may not have been the most helpful. A third iteration of the Alpha Gamer, I think, is very similar to what you just said, but what we experienced at GnomeCon. I think you heard that story where the guy came up and was basically taking over our own game and he wasn't even playing. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's the same kind of sentiment that you're getting at. Like someone who just knows the game so intimately that they're given too much advice almost. But all right. What else you got? Rules lawyer. <laughs> I love that guy. So, um, actually this list I'm reading here is just something on the on board game geek. And this guy's given some advice on each one of these people. And he says, never let them near the rule book. You know, that's his little, thing and so the the rules lawyer you know he's the one that's like um or the way i way i think about it when i hear rules lawyer is we're sitting there playing a game you know and i'm not talking about really about house rules or anything like that it's just like every single step of a game it almost it almost comes up more in lighter games you know um when you're playing a lighter game and you're like wait i can't remember are you able to do this or that And they're like hang on hang on and they have to get the rule book and look through and read every, like it happens 10 times in a game you know i'm just like okay come on let's just play this game you know nobody really cares if we just agree you know we don't have to reference every single rule over and over and over just to make sure and um so i could see that like actually um it could kind of feel that way like pixel tactics we were doing that a little bit you know it was like we're playing a game and it's like or like the column and the row thing right so me and you found out playing pixel tactics online that we were doing the column and the rows backwards but if you were playing the game in real life and you were just like okay this is a column and you both agree that this is a column it doesn't really matter you know you can just be like okay that's cool and then later but but a rules lawyer is the guy that's like wait 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 wait, let me look that up and he's going to look it up every single time and make sure every little card you know so that that can be really annoying sometimes sometimes it's like you got to remember that you're just you, you should be playing a game for fun and that can take a lot of the fun out i think when people are just constantly referencing the rule book on every little thing and usually they're yeah, I think. usually they're wrong or either they did we didn't need to look it up it's like something that we all thought was right and they're just confirming it every five minutes <laughs> you know right right i think that's really when it gets annoying but i think if you just ask hey, do you want me to look this up i'm not sure we can just keep going if you're okay with that yeah. i think that's a <laughs> that's a lot less of a stressful way of doing it uh, 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 there's a variant here, the rules Nazi. And yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what that was at first, but what this one is, is someone who, I guess what they're saying, this is long, I'm trying to summarize. They're either saying purposely from the beginning or they just take advantage of a situation where they know the rules, but they don't tell anybody until like the critical moment where they pull it out and then they get this big combo and everybody's like, what, what, when was this rule? And it's like, Oh yeah, I went over that. Y'all didn't read that. You know? And so I've actually seen that happen a few times in games where, you know, like maybe they honestly forgot, but they definitely didn't tell us when they could have later, you know? And like, wait, 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 how did this happen? So 
Yeah, I think that's in the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Um, that, or we could call that the Hugh Law, and, and he knows what I'm talking about in that game of um, ink and gold. Yeah, I need to ask him about that. It's, it's also called the Hugh, Hugh gets 10 points at the beginning of every game rule. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, so the next one is, well, I guess one here is just as the bad loser. Um, and of course we all hate bad losers. That's, that's, you know, that's in any kind of games, not just board games, but there's some variants here, the board flipper, you know, (laughs) flips the board or the table. Uh, I've never had that happen ever with any game that I know of, even when I was a kid. Well, not in real life, but in, uh, in tabletop, we do it at the end of every game. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Multiple times. Cause you can just hit that undo button, but um, another, another variant is the sulker. Oh yeah. The guy who gets really quiet during the middle of the game when he's losing. Well, no, after the loss, you know, it's just, you know, he's just, Oh, I thought it was, what about the person who does it during the loss? Yeah. So that's actually somebody else on here that I, he's one of my most hated things, but it's not just that one. Where is he at? He is the, Oh, what do they call him? I can't find him on here, but what he is is he's the one who says he's losing the entire time. And then actually comes back and wins. You know what I'm talking about? That's always complaining. Oh, yeah. Where did that go? But anyway, yeah, that guy who's just like, oh, there's no way I can win. Y'all need to team up on him. Why are you attacking me? I'm in last place. There's no chance I'm going to win. You know, and then because of all of that, people do not, they they, they do leave him alone. And then he winds up winning. And then he's like rubbing it in your face. And that goes back to the gloater or the bad winner. That might be worse than the sore loser to me. You know, it's the person who wins and just shows out, and especially if it's a luck-based game, or like yeah. a dice-rolling game, playing zombie dice, and they're just like in your face. And, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, uh, so let's see. I've got I got three for you. Okay, what you got? So, uh, so mine is the cell phone dude, the guy who's always on his cell phone uh, during the game. You're hitting my buttons now. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh that gets on my nerves now i mean i have my phone at the table usually um especially at cons or in public places and i'm you know checking my stuff but i i make it a point to never be looking at my phone right before my turn or during my turn because yeah that is the worst thing my i don't i don't care if somebody uses their phone while we're playing a board game what i hate is they're on their phone it's their turn and we go hey 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 it's your turn and they're like finishing a text or looking at something and they look up and they go okay uh wait wait wait, what happened they have no idea what happened while it's between their last turn and now and that just oh that gets to me so much i'm like do you need to take a call do you need to go outside you know do you need to not play this game right now you know um, yeah that's i think that's one that uh you know some people won't even let you sit at the table with stuff i mean i don't i don't go to that extreme but i think <laughs> I think it's common courtesy to kind of keep the game moving. And that really kind of goes into my next one, which is the AP prone person, the analysis paralysis. I don't know. Person. I don't know anybody like that. I don't know that don't person know at all. That, yeah. nope. No experience there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, certainly I think me and you probably have that tendency more than some people. It depends uh, on the game and who I'm playing with because me and you playing six making or some something like that you know <laughs> you know you me and you both i don't know if any of either one of us was better than the other but we'd sit there for flipping two or three five minutes trying to make us a little simple move you know 
And um, but I, mean, I think I think it depends on your crowd and who you're playing with. You know. Um, yeah. Sure. I sure. make a I make a huge point to work on that with new gamers. Like I always sometimes I'll take like a total alternate strategy on games just so I don't fall victim to that, you know, and I'll just say, you know what? I don't care. I'm not going to think about it. I'm just going to do this. I'm going to work on this thing. And that, that actually works out sometimes, especially with, like I said, with new gamers, because the worst thing for a new gamer is to let somebody teach you the game and they take the longest on their turns and they're mathing it out. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. I'm probably going to beat you by 20, but let me spend an extra 30 minutes on this game to make sure I beat you by 25 or 35 or whatever, you know, like get that extra right. few points. So, yeah. And then, so the last one I've got for you here, and this is probably the one that bothers me the most. I mean, none of these things are like that big of a deal, but, but if we're talking about stereotypes, I think this is probably the one that's my biggest pet peeve. And that's the person who doesn't listen to the rules and then ask 1 million questions during the game and then yes. gets upset when they missed a rule and it costs them some points. Pair that with the cell phone guy because he was on the phone while we were doing the rules <laughs> explanation. <laughs> yeah, it's probably the same person. The same guy, yeah. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of them in here. Oh, I like this one. The the grognard. What's that? It says, "Will only play a game if the rule book is so thick it can be used to kill a charging buffalo." <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that's kind of like what I was talking about, like down in the casual games, yeah, like yeah. saying they have to play these real heavy games, you know. Yeah. that's a pretty good one that's funny the the v for vendetta the player who will hold a grudge across games even weeks even to the detriment of their own game <laughs> okay i want to point that out that's actually a pet peeve of mine um that's this comes down to actual gameplay how do you feel about this you're not in the running for the game anymore you can't win but you completely abandon all hope for you just to make a certain person another player lose you're not nothing you're doing is could possibly increase your score or your end game position but you make it your personal goal in the game just to make another particular person lose like you're trying to affect the outcome that can't help you at all and there's a there's not many games that give that opportunity but there's enough and i've seen it happen how do you feel about that well i guess it depends on the situation Within, I mean, the, within playing, the rules of the game, nobody's cheating or anything, but go ahead. No, no. I mean, if I'm playing with with my family and it's all fun and games and people are just teaming up on me because they want to see me lose, well, I'm fine with that. I mean, they love me. They're, you know, they're playing a game with me. They're trying to have fun. So I just kind of take it in stride. Now, if I'm not with family and I'm with other people and people are teaming up with me just out of spite that, that would probably be a different scenario yeah okay imagine rising sun which we've played and we've got to review that sometime soon um we're playing rising sun we're playing four or five people something like that it's getting down to the last turn it's tied up between you and james yeah that's good mutual friend one probably one of your closest friends i'm sure sure you and james are tied up i've been eliminated there's no chance i can't win we've mathed it out i'd have to get like 20 points or something on the last turn can't happen so with my last turn i make some whatever i do i go out of my way it hurts me it hurts my score but i take you down two notches just so james will win despite you you know whereas if i had just tried to make my score better i could have done something else to increase my score but instead it would have just been between you and james and james would have won i mean you would have won normally 
You get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I would, I would just tell James, I hope he enjoys his hollow victory. There's no honor in that. Exactly. And that's how I feel. I mean, that might be a weird example (laughs) because rising sun's actually like the one game where like, that's kind of, I don't know. I can't come up with a reason. Like, how the, I don't know the scenario how that would play I would commit out. But seppuku, I would commit seppuku. Yeah, you yeah. It. You and then that. I would I would I would die and lose with my dignity. <laughs> right, right. Your, your honor, my honor. The puppet master. There yeah. we go. That's a good name for it. So they're trying to pull the strings to determine the outcome of the game, but it doesn't have anything to do with them. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It's kind of like um, in fantasy football, right? <laughs> in our fantasy football league, when you get eliminated from the playoffs, you can't make trades anymore. You know, like you're, you're, and you can't pick up players. You can't pick up players just so that you, you know, so, so the people in the playoffs can't get them anymore. You can't just try to block players from them, right? Because then you're just trying to affect the outcome of something that you're not even in anymore. Right. You know, so like once you're eliminated, you can't do anything on the website or whatever. So it's kind of like that. It's like I feel like there's some honor there of like you should let these guys duke it out on their own if you're not in the running. There is a couple more that we'll go through real fast that are funny. Okay, go ahead. The um, Takesy Backsy Master. <laughs> now, oh, no, 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 no. Wait, wait a second. I might know somebody who fits this description. Nope, nope. You don't know that one either. I want to retrocon that. <laughs> okay. Did you say retrocon? Instead of retcon? Yeah, can, not retrocon. Retcon. Awesome. Can I get? Uh, can I get Ryan? Can we? Can we dial a friend here? Can we get Ryan in on this? I think he might have something to say. See, that's the thing, though. Ryan is attacking me in that moment because he takes back moves just as much as me. He just likes to make a big deal about it. <laughs> but, yeah, um, sure. but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely I'm guilty of that a lot. My rule is if no new information came out, it's totally fun, especially learning games. But then there's the dice whiner, and it says, the dice are always against me. Yeah. I'm so unlucky. That bothers me. Or this game is totally luck. Yeah, yeah. This is one I was looking for earlier. The table chat master. <laughs> it says the player who talks everyone into doing what they want by convincing them that they are not a threat and obviously are losing the game, and then come back to win themselves. Yeah, I, I know a few people like that. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty common. Yeah, and again, I'm, we're not pointing out specific people because we're like you mean as Josh is pointing out. So, um tactfully <laughs> i'm guilty of a lot of these things so yeah i don't think there's any one person that is any one of these things i think we're all these people at different times of our you know different times of the night yep. maybe within the same night or a different you know different day of the week it could we're more more or less of these people at various moments the the inventor is constantly house ruling every game I think we've talked about house rules in the past. Um, I am against that, you know. I don't know. I don't know too many of those people because we don't typically play with house rules. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot of people who will house rule in the first playthrough of a game, and I'm just like, what? You know, like you don't understand. Like you haven't even learned the game yet. You know, you got to play a game at least at least a few times to even really fully understand a game. Usually, like strategy and stuff. There might be a dang good reason, you know, for that rule that right. you're trying to change. But yeah, I've seen people that like read forums and actually seen it at cons where they're trying to change rules first time through. Like, oh, I don't like that. Let's change. Let's play it this way instead. You know, I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, I, I could, yeah. I wouldn't be able to breathe at the table. <clears throat> so I'm closer. To, I'm, I fall closer to the rules lawyer on that spectrum between the rules lawyer and the um, whatever I'd called him, the inventor. Yeah, I think that's. I think it's a lot easier to do that. And obviously, the game's been play tested. 
So <laughs> right, right. I just have to trust the designer. Well, anyway, that's pretty much. There's a bunch more on here, but that's that's plenty. But I thought that was just interesting. That's a fun little topic. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, you got anything else you want to talk about? Nope, that's it. I think we've done enough damage for one night. <laughs> okay, let's wrap it up. <laughs> for the show um maybe our ramblings made any sense to anyone but uh i enjoyed having you on the show again it was nice catching up and talking about some games yeah tom it was a lot of fun i really appreciate you having me back on and uh, i look forward to doing it again sometime cool cool so yeah and you're gonna be at atlanta game fest this weekend right that's the plan i think maybe half day on friday and some saturday yeah, I really wanted to go to this, but man, I just I just don't think I'm gonna be able to make it because we got the dance recital, and it basically would be six six and a, six and a half hours of driving for what a half a day of gaming. I just, uh, I should. yeah, it's probably not worth it. <laughs> I would love to, but man, if we didn't have the dance recital, my kids and their activities, ugh, being a good father, so hard. Yeah, it is hard responsibilities yep 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 but um but yeah so you'll be up there hanging out and playing games it'll be cool and yeah if anybody if anybody's up there anybody listening is there just uh shoot tom a message and he can give you my contact info and we can uh, try and get together and play some games yeah sure maybe you can be um tweeting what you're doing too yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna try if we can get some get some games to the table i'll i'll post that out on twitter send it to you a quick ti4 or something like that yeah you know just a couple games yeah all right well i want to thank everybody for listening and again i want to thank everyone especially the waycross gaming group for coming out to okicon and checking their table out and participating in all of our stuff we really appreciate that and appreciate all the listeners we've had a huge uptick in our numbers since these two cons and so i want to welcome all the new people which might be listening to this newest episode and thank you all for talking to me and hanging out and listen but check us out on facebook on twitter everything's at who shuffled you can go to www.whoshuffled.com and find all the links to everything there and listen directly there and actually a really cool thing i wanted to mention was google now i don't know if if you've noticed this josh but android has an update and you can actually search for a podcast in the google browser on your phone or if you've got the newest version of android i think and um oh, really? yeah in the search assistant and it pulls it up. I don't know where it pulls it from. We could test it maybe, but I don't know if it's iTunes or Stitcher. Probably Google Play, but I, but it's not limited just to Google Play. But it will actually start playing it and save it. It's like a built-in podcast um, app into Android now. I don't even know how it works, but like you can just search Google for a podcast, start playing it, and then now you can like get back to it fairly easy but when you search again it'll have your progress on what you played it so it's like kind of in the background you can't like open the app or anything it's all in the like search app so it's really cool so anyway if anybody's wanting to you know check that out and listen to that if you um use android it's a neat little feature but you can find us anywhere podcasts are found itunes google play stitcher um all the the big main ones i guess that's it until next week i'm tom tanner and i'm josh Vickers. Thanks for listening to Who Shuffled. Find us on Twitter and Facebook at Who Shuffled.